Uh, Let's turn again to the New Testament this time, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. More familiar verses than we read in Isaiah. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, and reading from verse 18. And this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, you want to keep your Bibles open there, but also uh, put a finger in Isaiah 7, because we're going to be referring to that passage we read earlier in Isaiah chapter 7 as well. Uh, We've just completed a series of sermons on John's gospel, and you may remember that series was called Signs of Life, and uh, we're going to kind of rest it for a little while, Uh, but what we want to do today is actually consider a further sign, and it is the sign of Emmanuel. In the gospel of Matthew, we find that the birth of Jesus to a virgin is taken by Matthew as the culmination of a prophetic word that is spoken to King Ahaz 700 years previously. At the heart of this Christmas season and with Christmas Day tomorrow, I think it is good to reflect on this name, Emmanuel. It's not found anywhere else in the Gospels. In fact, it's only mentioned in two two other times. It's mentioned in Isaiah chapter 7, it's mentioned in Isaiah chapter 8. And it's mentioned here in Matthew chapter 1, but it's not mentioned anywhere else. Now, Emmanuel means God with us. Christmas for us falls at the darkest time of the year. Uh, We try and brighten up our lives with artificial lights on trees in our homes, extra lighting in the streets and the shops and so on. And it does help it lifts our mood a little. I think, was it yesterday, two days ago, maybe yesterday, two days ago, I think it was, was the, the shortest uh, day and, and the, the longest time of the darkness, and it felt very much like that. Uh, but as we look and meditate on this word, Emmanuel, God with us, hopefully it will, it will illuminate, illuminate our hearts and give us a lift. The root of this sign, the sign of Emmanuel, as I said, goes back to a promise given by Isaiah to King Ahaz of Judah, Judah when he was in extreme pressure. The time is 735 BC. Isaiah is speaking to the southern kingdom of Judah, and the king there is King Ahaz. The northern kingdom of Israel has King Pekah. 
Another neighbor to Israel is Syria or Aram, and the king there is Rezin. So all these players are in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 1 and following. And what has happened is that Aram or present-day Syria has aligned itself with the northern kingdom of Israel, and they are seeking to attack Judah, and they're going to lay siege on Jerusalem. Now, why are they doing this? Why is the northern kingdom of Israel joining with Aram, and why are they setting their sights on attacking Judah? Well, the clue seems to be in the growing threat of Assyria out to the east under Tiglath-Pileser III. Israel and Syria wanted Ahaz, king of Judah, to join forces with them to try and fight off the growing empire of Assyria. King Ahaz of Judah has refused to do this. And for what Ahaz has done is he has kind of thrown his lot in with Assyria. He has decided that Assyria is the one that he should ally with, not Israel and not Aram. And in 2 Kings chapter 16, we are told that King Ahaz describes himself as the servant and the vassal of Assyria. And he asks Assyria to come and help him, to help him to fight off Syria and Israel. So that's kind of the context for this. So let me just repeat that. The northern tribes of Israel are uniting with Aram, or Syria, as it's called uh, today, and they're wanting Judah to join with them to fight Assyria. Judah has said no. Judah is rather throwing its lot in with Assyria because he sees that as stronger. And that's kind of the context of Isaiah chapter 7. And so into this comes the prophet Isaiah. When King Ahaz is out inspecting the city of Jerusalem, and specifically the city's water supply, which was so important and so vital to the city, Isaiah comes along to Ahaz. And in verses 4 to 9, this is what Isaiah uh, says to King Ahaz. He says, be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid. Don't be losing heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, Aram or Syria and Israel. They can threaten to make someone like Tabil king in your place, but it is not going to happen. You need to stand firm. Do not fear. Ahaz is about to cave in. He has been sending tribute to Assyria. He's trying to win them over, and he's about to send them more. And Isaiah the prophet says to Ahaz, don't go this way. Do not do that. Do not fear. God is willing to give you a sign. And then Ahaz goes all pious, and he says, you know, why should I test the Lord by asking him for a sign? And Isaiah had said, he's going to give you a sign. There's no problem with that. He's going to give you a sign. But King Ahaz comes over all pious, and actually this piety is a false piety because it it covers over his disobedience. Judas did it whenever the woman anointed Jesus with expensive ointment. And Judas said to Jesus, could this not have been sold and the money given to the poor? It was a false piety. It was a cover-up, really. And we can do this kind of cover-up 
when we're not walking in obedience ourselves or when we, when we look down on someone's extravagant gesture of worship. Ahaz was not one of the most faithful kings to God. In fact, he was one of the worst kings. And here he tries to pretend that he is more holy than he actually is. No, I won't, I won't ask the Lord for a sign. But this request would not test the Lord. The Lord is offering him this through the prophet Isaiah. And so Isaiah shows his frustration with Ahaz, and he says in verse 14, well, you're going to get a sign. And the sign is the sign the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Before the boy is about age 12, the land of the two kings you fear will be laid waste. And within a short time, that is what happened. Within three years, Syria, or Aram, was crushed by Assyria. And Israel and her northern territories were lost. Her national existence came to an end about 12 years later. And in another 65 years, through a series of deportations to Assyria, Israel effectively lost its national identity. So here we see a prophetic word given to the king of Judah about these two stumps and the destruction that is going to come on them from Assyria. Now, what about this sign that was given to Ahaz? There's a lot of debate and discussion, a lot of ink has been spilled over it. Who was this young woman, this virgin, who would be with child? Was it someone who was living at that time? Was it someone that Ahaz knew? Some have even suggested that it was the second wife after his first wife died, the second wife of Isaiah, the prophet himself. Uh, but there's nothing to indicate in the text who, who this young woman, this virgin is that was going to give birth. And some say, well, actually, it wasn't meant to be fulfilled in Ahaz's time because Ahaz wasn't looking for a sign. No, this was a sign for us. This was a sign for us 2,000 years later. The sign of Emmanuel was given to Ahaz, but we saw its fulfillment. It was a sign, a sign of reassurance given to the church. So whichever it is, whether there was a double fulfillment at the time of Ahaz or whether it was just simply to be fulfilled whenever Jesus was born 700 years later, we cannot be sure. Nobody seems to know. But it was a sign that was given to Ahaz at this time. And it was meant to be an overarching sign. It was meant to be a reassuring sign. Now, we have to realize that we live in a world that is full of ups and downs, a world where cultures and empires and generations rise and fall. And some of these cultures and empires oppress believers. Sometimes it looks as if the church is on its last legs, especially in the Western world. Sometimes we think our age is the one that has gone to the dogs and it has never been this bad before. But of course, everything is relative. Judah would end up in captivity, much the same as Israel would end up in captivity. The people of God would suffer for many years, and even under the subsequent empires that become the Persian Empire and the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire, the people of God would suffer. There was some very nasty stuff happened to Christians under some of the Roman rulers before Christianity was officially recognized as a religion. And then, of course, there were the dark ages where the church was in a weak state. 
And in each of these times, in each of these cultures and empires, God's people need to hear the sign of Emmanuel, that God is with us. If we read the Bible through, we see that although following God is the right thing to do, it is not always the easy thing to do. Let me repeat that. Although following God is the right thing to do, it is not always the easy thing to do. Because in general, the world is against God, and this is not our home, comfortable and all as we try to make it. And that is why at significant seasons of the church calendar, like Christmas and Easter, it is good to draw back and to see the big picture of what God is doing. It's a bit like the other sign that God gave to Noah, uh, the sign of the rainbow. It is an overarching sign. It is a sign that is there through the ages, and the sign of Emmanuel is that kind of sign. No matter whether the circumstances are good or bad, no matter whether we're going through a time of prosperity or poverty, Emmanuel, God, is with us. And Ahaz needed to hold on to this, but he chose not to. Ahaz chose the wrong route. Ahaz decided, okay, you're giving me this prophetic sign, but you know what? I'm still going to rely on Assyria because Assyria is strong. Assyria is a rising empire. I want to keep on the right side of Assyria. So translating that into our day today, we might say the world is strong. The culture is strong. I need to align myself with the world. I need to align myself with this culture. I don't want to be seen to be out of place or out of step. And that effectively is what Ahaz was doing. But it was the wrong way to go. So Isaiah says to Ahaz, do not fear. Emmanuel, God is with you. Now fast forward to Matthew chapter 1 and 700 years later. Joseph is going through a difficult time. Joseph hears the news that Mary is pregnant. Joseph is described as a just man, a righteous man, a morally good man, and he was faced with this immense problem. He has heard that his fiancée, the one he is betrothed to, has become pregnant. Now, we, the readers of the story, know what has happened here, but Joseph is floundering. Joseph is, is not aware of this. Uh, Dale Ralph Davis writes, Mary is pregnant. Joseph does not yet know that the Holy Spirit has anything to do with it. It looks sadly like something very unholy and not done by any spirit. And so he must have concluded that Mary had been unfaithful and he had reached the decision to divorce her quietly. And so into this turmoil, God comes to Joseph in a dream, and he speaks directly to him in a dream, which culminates in this sign, Emmanuel, God is with you, God is with us. And he gets in this dream, God communicates that Joseph is to take Mary to be his wife. Now, that was not an easy thing to do in a world uh, in which they lived, in a very religious world, where to, 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 to live together before marriage, to sleep together uh, before marriage was under Deuteronomic law. If it was rigidly applied, they could have been put to death. 
that this was the culture, this was the context in which Joseph and Mary were operating. And I'm sure the tongues were wagging. And in fact, the tongues would continue to wag after the birth of Jesus. We pick that up in the Gospels later, that there was this kind of uh, a shadow around his birth and so on. The obedience of Mary and Joseph was costly. Joseph, in saying to Mary, I will take you to be my wife, was a, wor a word of faith and courage. Now, we, we read it quite blandly, quite quickly. He, verse 24, he took Mary home as his wife, but that was an immense thing. That was costly. That was costly for Joseph. And whenever we're thinking of being disciples of Jesus, there's always a cost to obedience. If you think that you can follow Jesus today without there being a cost, think again. There is always a cost. There's always a cost. And so Joseph decides on hearing and, and through this dream that he will go with Emmanuel, God with us. Instead of deciding to divorce Mary, he, he thinks in his heart, I need to do the right thing here according to God's will. And so he decides that he will stick with Mary. He will stick with the angel speaking to him through the dream. We want God with us, but it is costly. But the problem is, if we don't have God with us, then God will go on his way without us. And a word of comfort will become a word of judgment. And that, in effect, is that if we flip back to Ahaz, is what happened to Ahaz. Because when we read on in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 18, the prophet goes on to say to Ahaz, in that day that is coming, the Lord will whistle for flies from the Nile Delta in Egypt and for bees from the land of Assyria. They will all come. They will settle in the steep ravines and in the crevices and the rocks and all the thorn bushes and all the water holes. In that day, the Lord will use a razor hard from beyond the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria. He will shave your head and the hair of your legs. He will cut off your beard. Uh, forced shaving was an act of humiliation. In that day, a person will keep alive a young cow and two goats, and because of the abundance of the milk they give, there will be curds to eat. All who remain in the land will eat curds and honey. There will not be many. In that day, in every place where there were a thousand vines worth a thousand silver shekels, there will be only briars and thorns. Hunters will go there with bow and arrow, for the land will be covered with briars and thorns. As for all the hills once cultivated by the hoe, you will no longer go there for fear of the briars and thorns. They will become places where cattle are turned loose and where sheep run. King Ahaz, the sign of Emmanuel has been given to you. You've decided to ignore it. You're going to rely on the world. You're going to rely on the empire of Assyria. But it is going to end in destruction. I'm reminded of the words in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And so as we conclude this morning on this Christmas Eve, let us contrast these two men. King Ahaz, who said he didn't want a sign, but he got the sign, the sign of Emmanuel, God with us. 
Isaiah said to him, do not fear. Trust in God. Don't trust in the world. Joseph Joseph was completely different. He was a man also in turmoil. He was a man in fear. He was a man, his world had completely fallen apart. He didn't know where to look. Note that when the angel comes, and I only really noticed this this week, note when the angel comes to him, he tells Joseph, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Exactly the same words as 700 years previously, Isaiah had said to King Ahaz. Ahaz, do not be afraid. But the response was completely different. Ahaz, in his fear, continues to rely on Assyria. Joseph, in his fear, decides to rely on God's Word and to trust in what God is doing, even though he didn't understand what was happening in the midst of his, in his, of his turmoil. And you will note also that in, in both these passages, the phrase son of David is mentioned. Ahaz is a son of David. He's, he's in the line of Judah's kings, sons of David. But as a son of David, he did not go the way of truth and honor and respect and obedience. But notice again how the angel addressed Joseph in verse 20 of Matthew 1. Joseph, son of David. He speaks to a son of David. Ahaz was a son of David, but failed miserably. In Joseph, we see a true son of David who believes in the sign given, Emmanuel, God with us. So what happens, whatever happens in our world, we will come to a decision where we have to trust. Will we trust in God? Will we trust in the world? A trust like Joseph will follow his example and be a true son of David. And recognize that God is with us. O come, thy key of David, come. And open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high. And close the path to misery. Let's pray. In the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the darkness in the midst of the world calling us to walk in this way. Lord, help us to rely on Emmanuel, God with us. Help us not to fear, but help us to trust in that sign given to a disobedient king so long ago. We thank you that the sign was given again, but this time to a true son of David, to Joseph, a better son. And to him, you give the good news of great joy to him and to Mary. A child is born, Emmanuel, God with us, our Savior. Lord, we bless you that you are the Lord of the years. You know what you're doing. And so we trust you. We trust you with our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.